Welcome to the driver's line. I'm Greg. And I'm Jordan. And today we have another conversation for you. And today's conversation is all about one of our favorite holidays, Groundhog's Day. Groundhog's Day, yes. <laughs> so much, important. <laughs> much like the famous Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day, we wanted to do an episode on cars that are kind of the same every day you wake up. Yeah, so the criteria here is that we are not seeing any significant refreshes any significant changes to the body or engines or anything like that for years and years and years. Yep. So maybe a few small changes on the interior. Maybe we add car play. Hey. Maybe we add a front bumper. <laughs> but some lighting. It's a little bit of lighting. Some fancy LED lights. Yeah. But the chassis largely unchanged. Exactly. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our list. All righty. Let's All right. do it. So I'll kick us off. So first off. 2013. We're going to start mm. 2013 and go backwards. Right. 2013, Maserati Quattroporte. Maserati. <laughs> so it's been unchanged for 11 years now. Holy cow. Crazy thing is, $120,000 car, brand mm. new. You can go buy one at your Maserati dealership. They'll probably even give you a discount. I'm sure. <laughs> or, or, you can look on Auto Trader and you can find a nice used one. With under 100,000 miles for about 15 grand. Holy cow. So Honda Civic or Maserati Quattroporte? I'm sure one's <laughs> going to be a little bit more reliable than the other. I'm sure they're both the same. <laughs> but largely unchanged. Pretty much the same on the exterior. I think they've updated the interior a little bit. Um, you got the choice of the, the uh, V6 twin turbo, the V8 twin turbo. But, you know, it's got the ZF8 speed. So yeah. that's not too bad. It's got one reliable element at least. <laughs> Well, I think the thing is with Italian cars, right? They always look beautiful. Oh, gorgeous. Um, and interior trimmings are always classic in them. So it's, it's kind of hard to update perfection, right? Some I don't, people, know, if I I don't know about perfection. Perfection's a little far. That's a bridge <laughs> but, too far. <laughs> a bridge too far. <laughs> but it does yeah. look beautiful. It is, a, it is a very attractive car still sure. to this day. Looks good. And, you know, Maserati's actually apparently getting around to uh, changing it. So go. we're going to likely get a new one here pretty soon. Um, <laughs> but... Might be in the works. There you go. So get yourself a Quattroporte before they update them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So coming up next, uh, we have a vehicle dating back to 2012. So going back a year. Uh, and this vehicle debuted to much fanfare and made a huge impact on the automotive landscape. And that's the Tesla Model S. Yeah. So, you know, with uh, electric cars, you tend to see... A lot of folks looking at, hey, what can happen with the technology over time? So we do see some minor changes to the mm -hmm. Tesla and Model S over time. But largely, the body is unchanged. The interior is unchanged. I mean, just some minor tweaks here and there. But it's making a huge impact. Oh, well, it is a huge impact. And, you know, that's Tesla's kind of business model, right, yeah. is they're going to iterate. So they're going to take a really good platform, a nice design. They're going to iterate it and, you know, kind of continue going forward. So fun fact, Franz von Holzhausen. <laughs> was the designer of the Model S, and when he started on it, he was in his 30s. <laughs> Not anymore. The man's in his 50s now, <laughs> and he's still tweaking that design of that Model S to this day. Yeah, so Tesla's known for that, so we'll see what, what happens in the future. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go back another year. We're going to go back to 2011. Ooh, another year. And we're going to see an SUV this time. It's going to be the Dodge Durango. Ooh, the Durango. So three-row SUV. It's been a great seller for Dodge, so you can kind of understand why they haven't really changed it. But, you know, Dodge being Dodge, they have done their thing. We're going to keep putting bigger engines in it. Power. Power. <laughs> so you got, <laughs> you got the 6.4 Hemi, and now they've also, you know, they've got the Hellcat version too. So you can get a really fast Durango, probably gets about six miles per gallon. <laughs> but you know what? You're going fast. Exactly. 
I mean, you know, there's not much not to like about the Durango. It's, it's a big vehicle. It has plenty of space, and it's, it's, it hits the heart of the American market, right? So um, you don't see really any much needed improvements otherwise, other than the you know typical, like, day-to-day stuff. But, exactly. So can't see them really making too many changes, but... No, they're, they're probably not going to change it until they go EV, honestly. Exactly. So there's yeah. not a lot of reason to invest in another gas version sure. of it. Yeah. All right. Uh, staying in the same vein, uh, we're staying with 2011. We have a vehicle uh, that debuted later in the North American market versus the world, and that is the Ford Ranger 2011 as well. That's right. Oh. The Ford Ranger. So Ford we actually Ranger. got it on our shores in 2019. Yeah. Um, but it been in the rest of the world for eight years at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So someone buying their new Ford Ranger here in the United States might be feeling a little left out, right, from those updates uh, that other pickups have received in that segment. I mean, we've seen huge changes uh, in the G- GM Twins, right, the Canyon and the the Colorado, uh, taking home some awards yep. for their redesign, uh, and we we see uh, the Tacoma, yeah, brand new Taco, renovated. right? Yeah. So I mean, the you know Taco was one of the longest running old ones before yeah. this recent update. <laughs> it would have been on our list, but Toyota, thank you for making a new one. It made it. Uh, but you know that's going to make the Ford Ranger look that much older. Yeah, so uh, we'll see what happens in the future for Ford. Um, I mean, clearly it's still selling decently, mm-hmm. uh, not as well as the Tacoma, of course, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yep. Yeah. All right. So shifting back. One more year, mm-hmm. back to 2010 now. We've got the Nissan Armada and the Infiniti QX80. So All right. both of these guys are based off the Nissan Patrol, which is sold overseas. Wonderful off-road vehicle, super durable. You know, they've kind of, you know, classed them up a little bit for the North American right, market right. for what the buyers here expect. But at this point, they're kind of getting a little long in the tooth. For sure. And, uh, I mean, the... the <laughs> The Pathfinder, um, excuse me, not, it used to be called the Pathfinder Armada way back in the no. day. Remember that? <laughs> so, whew, threw me out there. So the Armada and, and the QX, we were featured that vehicle on, on our previous Shameless because it's been so long so since long. it's been updated, right? But, you know, typical large SUV situation, much like we see with the Durango. I mean, it, it hits the major points for its target audience for the most part, but I mean, its competitors are so far along now. Oh, absolutely. Past it. it's, it's lacking on packaging. It's lacking <laughs> it's, on tech. It's, yeah. I mean, just all the updated, you know, features that the buyer is looking for when they're spending, especially they're still expensive. They're not oh, cheap. yeah, definitely. You know, they're, you know, $60,000, $80,000 SUVs. And yeah. there's a lot of compelling competition at that price point. No doubt. No doubt. Um, so moving, uh, moving on down the road, uh, back staying to 2010, but checking out another uh, brand in Japan. Uh, we have an, another brand that was featured on our Shameless, <laughs> and that's from Mitsubishi, <laughs> and that's the Outlander Sport. <laughs> yep, Outlander Sport. So it's pretty long in the tooth at this point, uh, as you might imagine, and there's a reason that Mitsubishi keeps it around, right? Yeah. So I tried to do some reading on this, and there's not a lot of press <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about the Outlander Sport, as you might imagine. <laughs> But part of the reason uh, Mitsubishi keeps it around is largely because it's a budget option to their poorly named Eclipse Cross. Ah, uh, yes, the poor Eclipse Cross. Yeah, a couple grand less, and mm-hmm. that gets you in the door of a Mitsubishi. Yep, for your so. credit challenge customers. Exactly. So uh, I'm, not I'm not sure how much they're going to really update that before they, too, will no doubt go all EV. Yes, or... Or die. Die. <laughs> Ooh. If you saw that on our death watch, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if they make it through the death watch. But uh, yeah, so uh, not much to really delve into with that particular uh, model, unfortunately. A little bit more to talk about with the next one. Also, mm-hmm. dates back to 2010. Ooh. This is a very popular vehicle with a lot of folks right now, and it's easy to understand why yeah. because it you know gives you the body on frame. It's very rugged. It's very reliable, and it has a strong resale value. And so we of course are talking about. 
The Toyota? Forerunner. Yeah, it's a very popular model. It's increasing almost in popularity when you look on social media. Everybody wants a Forerunner. Mm -hmm. um, so we're seeing more updates to it coming. Uh, but yeah, that, that basic structure is the same forever. Right? <laughs> it's been the same for 14 years at this yeah, point, which is I, hard to believe. I guess Toyota reliability and dependability goes a long way, right? That's right. We're <laughs> going places. <laughs> going places. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So speaking of going places, uh, we can go places pretty quickly with our next choice. Uh, yeah, this, this model... Um, it's funny, this brand tends to introduce this model only when it knows it can produce the best in its segment. And then it lets it sit there and rot for years and years and years. And that's, unfortunately, the Nissan GTR. Yes. Uh, that being said, it's still a pretty awesome vehicle. Well, it's a very compelling yeah. package. And, you know, yeah. they've, they've made some updates along the way, making it a little bit stronger performance. But when you have a Halo car that dates all the way back to 2007, Seven. that's getting a little <laughs> bit old at this point. Sure is. Getting a little bit old. And, you know, the GTR originally started off about seventy grand, which, you know, at that point in time was pretty compelling. You know, it was, about the, it was less than a Porsche 911 Turbo. But was equally competitive from a performance standpoint, and now it's up to a little over 120. And a lot of people bemoan this, right? right. So they're really upset. Um, so I actually plugged it in to the Bureau of Labor Statistics inflation calculator. <laughs> Seventy thousand bucks in today's dollars, yeah. 110 grand. Wow, look at that. Yeah, I mean you're you're approaching zero six money here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. and, you know the thing that's crazy is so it's, it's really not that much more expensive than yeah. it used to be. Yeah. That's true. That's that is true. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's pretty it's held its value, mm -hmm. but. You know, when you're looking at the world of performance cars, you're seeing a lot more electrification. You're seeing a lot more performance upgrades. You know, Nissan's holding it steady. Um, <laughs> How many 911 turbos have we gotten since 2007? Know, it's crazy. 2007 would have been the 997.1. Yeah. Then we got the 997.2. <laughs> then we got the 991, 991.2. Now we've got the 992. Five. That's wild. Yes. <laughs> and that's Porsche. And that's Porsche. <laughs> Just Porsche yeah. alone. So. That's pretty incredible. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. So, last vehicle we're going to talk about mm. today. It's a millennial. <laughs> it was born in 1996. Uh, the Clinton era. The Clinton era. <laughs> and it's the uh, GMC Savannah and Chevy Express. Yeah. And, and this one's not really a super surprising pick. I mean, contractors are not really going to want to change their expectations much. Uh, since 1996, right? What's the important stuff for them? Yeah, you know, these might be in large fleets too, and the fleets yeah. might already have the parts on hand, the know-how on hand, the tools on hand to work on these vehicles. So it might make a lot of sense for them not to change these. Yeah, very serviceable, got lots of capability. Mm -hmm. I mean, and GM doesn't really have the worldwide presence that it used to. It, it can't delve into its European markets and pull those vans over like the Ford Transit, for instance. Um, so it's going to stick with what it knows, right? That's right. Uh, no point in changing tooling for something that still works. Yeah, big honking body on frame V8 motor. <laughs> the motor. <laughs> <laughs> big old panel van. That's right. So uh, next time you see a GMC Savannah, <laughs> uh, think back to 1996. Yep, it might be pulling into Starbucks to get its latte. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, well, that's what we've got for you today. So thank you very much for watching. See you next time. Thanks for joining us on the driver's line. If you enjoyed this content, Please like and subscribe to make sure you don't miss a thing.